0: Sam Bell reporting to Central. Everything running smoothly. Over and out. Rock and roll. God bless America.
1: Hello everyone. Welcome back to the Underrated Movie Podcast. This is a podcast where we discuss films that are underrated, underappreciated, and ones that have slipped under the radar and passed most people by. I am your host, Derek McDuff, and joining me today is my guest co-host, Mr. David Holloway. How's it going, David?
0: Oh, it's going great. D-Rock, how are you tonight?
1: (laughs) That might be the first time anybody's called me that on mic, so I'll take it. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Yeah, so... You know, David is a, a good friend from real life uh, that I've decided to bring on to be my co-host because he is very knowledgeable about film, and we have many good conversations about film. And the film that he chose today is definitely one in the uh, slipped-under-the-radar category, and that is Moon, which is the 2009 directorial debut of Duncan Jones starring Sam Rockwell. And I never do this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna start by saying, if you if you have if you've seen a trailer for Moon or you know about Moon, whatever, just keep listening. But if you don't know anything about this movie, if you're going into this podcast side and scene, pause it and go watch Moon because if you don't know what this movie is about, uh, there is nothing quite like going into it cold. Yes. I'll just say that, yeah, hundred percent. But so yeah, I guess just to to start off here, David. How did you approach this movie? Did you did you know what was happening going into it? Did you see a trailer or did you go into it cold?
0: I went into it cold, saw it the year it came out, loved it. It's um my my quick take, it's it's the kind of personal sci-fi you don't get to appreciate. <laughs> uh you know, it's this came out in a year where Transformers Revenge of the Fallen was one of the top box office <laughs> grossing films. So you can see the the spectrum of uh, sci-fi you know the star trek reboot came out that year avatar like um crazy huge movies came out and this one was just quietly doing a very personal personal story
1: yeah it's interesting to point that because yeah 2009 is kind of a in my opinion a great year of sci-fi there was i mean some not all those movies are great but some of them i think are, are pretty good you know per- particularly the star trek reboot but then there's also, like, there was the big ones, but then there was also a lot of smaller personal things like this, and then I would say also uh, District 9, which were both yes. these smaller films from these guys who are now, now they're, like, known directors, but they were they were uh, uh, Greenhorns. They were, this is their first features that either of these guys had done. Um, yeah. So, you yeah.
0: know, yeah, District 9, though, I think got more pop culture momentum right it did a lot yeah. better the box office for instance had a lot more eyes and it's it's the more type of sci-fi that is accessible to people because mm-hmm. it was more action oriented whereas moon is not that
1: no no not at all i'd say like the beginning it's a lot more slow and personal then it kind of becomes more conventional sci-fi towards the end um it definitely yeah. becomes
0: more more thrilling yes. towards the end
1: yeah there's I, there, yeah there's gunfights and you know and and all that stuff happening and explosions and all that good, good stuff that we love to see. Um, but, yeah, this one is a lot more low key. It's almost like God vibes of Castaway at certain points, I would say. Yeah. Oh, 100 percent.
0: Yes, this is definitely a movie about. I mean, there's definitely some introspection because uh, when do we start spoiling things?
1: Yeah, I'd say I'd say we're, let's go ahead and start spoiling things now. OK, the big one. The big one, the big one. Yes. Go for it. Okay, so Sam Rockwell is
0: playing a guy named Sam who is working on the moon as essentially like kind of his automated mining facility that he oversees is just kind of like one man doing the job. And you get this picture of him as a guy who's you know, a real blue collar Joe up on the moon, you know, working off a contract just Itching to get home back to his his lady. And it turns out he's a he's a clone. Boom. Yeah. Clones. Did you know those were a thing? <laughs> yeah, you did it. And he and they're on um, you know, sh- short lifespans. Mm-hmm. And then they're plopped back out and <laughs> and starting their their cycle of three years all over again. And it is just this wonderfully paced. Because you do start out, like, to your point, there is sort of a castaway vibe because he has a, an industrial accident occur. And for all intents and purposes, this automated facility thinks he's dead.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, we, we pop out a new Sam, who then is has to interact with this other Sam, who is deteriorating. Mm-hmm. And uh, hash out, you know, what it means to exist (laughs) i mean it's kind of a big big question these clones are dealing with is Mm
1: -hmm.
0: who are they really what is real what do their lives even matter you know there's a lot of great ways to interpret it before i just start rambling on about why why i love this movie there's some it's it's it does a really great job of using a minimal budget to tell a very personal story about big concepts
1: yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah,
0: a fantastic score.
1: It, I, was gonna, I had that in my notes. The Clint yes. Mansell score is it's so phenomenal, good. Yeah. so
0: good. It hits those tones of both the the absence of life around you, the big the big empty that is space, mm-hmm. and how inhospitable the world is that he lives in. But it has these great, it's it has this great pacing, you know that. Because there is a ticking clock in the background. Yes. Sam-1 is, is dying. He's, on, he's got a timer on his life. And regardless of his incident, he was going to die. And now they have to work out the fact that they're both clones. Neither one of them is real. None of their memories are real. And now there's a ticking clock of like, well, you're going to die. What do we do? And what's going to happen when... Um the powers that be realize that we now know that we're, we're real yeah. and that we're that we're clones and we're being used like this yeah um, yeah Because it's not like they're androids right they're not mm-hmm. similar yeah. yeah they're not simulacrum of life mm-hmm. that we have to grapple with what is real in that way they are flesh and blood
1: mm-hmm.
0: they have pain and they're and emotional pain and their and interject-
1: memories of like m- not their memories necessarily, but like someone's actual life that they lived and the connection and people they want to get back to.
0: Exactly. So they're filled with all the same kind of drives and emotional touchstones that real people have. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's a tough thing to grapple about when essentially what you're dealing with is people who have been abandoned by society in full to the point where people don't even know that they're out there. This is when, when uh, human lives are the cheapest thing <laughs> you can use as a tool. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like this crazy. They, yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah.
0: Given my, my, my political philosophies, <laughs> I, I definitely see this as a, as a great critique of capitalism. You know, but you can step away from those kind of things and just see it as a really, really beautiful story about someone grappling with their existence and making their life meaningful in its own right, as opposed to service to an outside power.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that is all completely spot on, all very well said. Um, One of the things that you brought up that I kind of wanted to circle back to real fast is. Uh, I love the way that this movie uses kind of the language of cinema to trick us if you don't know what's going on in the beginning Mm -hmm. when Sam, you know, Sam A, Sam 1 gets, you know, he has that crash and then he's getting woke up and Gertie is like, who, by the way, I love the design of It's just like this hanging robot with just emojis on it. I, I think that's such a cool just that's it fits in with the whole. It's all it's not quite retro sci fi, but it's very like, we're not trying to make it look like it's a crazy future or anything. It's just like, yeah, this yes. is just like an industrial plant, You know, it's just it, like very like alien, you know?
0: Exactly. That's what exactly what I was about to say is it, it nails that aesthetic of what being a working class spacer <laughs> is going to be like for a mm-hmm. lot of people. It's not Star Trek. There are yes. people covered in filth and blood and sweat doing necessary work that we all take for granted. <laughs> <laughs> And um, and and that's the aesthetic you you love is that you are mm. presented with the kind of stark beauty of the moon and mm. the the aesthetic of a moon base that is fueled by one person you know keeps it tidy and clean and and professional looking and watching that deteriorate alongside the t- deterioration of Sam one
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the and the filth and the Hair and the wounds, and I mean, he when we say he's deteriorating, he is like looking more uh sallow over time, he's getting weaker, vomiting blood, you know, vomiting blood, he, needing the support of the other clone more and more, which is also this can be a real. Can I curse? I can't remember if I can curse. Yes,
1: curse all I, you want. I, I curse, curse all the time. All day.
0: It is a is a mind fuck <laughs> because you know imagine that the only one who can help you is you, who is mm-hmm. also gonna die r- relatively soon, mm-hmm. and you're both depressed under the same system, mm-hmm. and uh, and, you just, it,
1: and he watches that videotape of the old previous versions of himself just like falling apart, then just getting like incinerated.
0: Yeah. And and they just keep him in this isolation loop of mm-hmm. of oh calms are down. Here's these videos of your fake family, your <laughs> wife that um and, and his only
1: companion Gertie, um mm-hmm. voiced by um voiced by no one. Like I don't think anyone has that part. I think Christopher okay. Plummer re recorded okay. I'm just kidding, yeah. <laughs>
0: Okay, I didn't know how we are going to handle the, talking about it. Voiced
1: by, yeah, that, that part hits a little differently now. You're like, oh, cool, Gertie, voiced by beloved character actor Kevin Spacey. And now it's like, mm-hmm. ah, cool.
0: Yes, Academy Award winner. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> we just just got to get Christopher Plummer to redo all of his parts like they did in that one movie. And this would be an easy one because he would just have to record it.
0: Why not? Just uh, you just do the, the Disney treatment for everything, which yeah. is if it's problematic. Pretend it never existed. Exactly.
1: Song of the South doesn't exist.
0: I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> so it's just um and, and so that that's really what resonated mm-hmm. with me is that you don't get a lot of sci-fi like that anymore and you know it's in the same vein of movies like solaris yes. um you know the very quiet the pacing is all about like how are people dealing with not supernatural, but like preternatural situations. Like none of us have had to question our existence to the point where you're like, Oh, I'm only a clone that's bred for three years and the real me was some guy. And, and it has a lot of great touchstones. Like we talked about the aesthetics being a callback to like, you know, those, those like alien, you know, movies that had this heart of the working man at, in a futuristic setting So it's all kind of very, it gives it such a a realness Mm -hmm. that a lot of sci-fi misses out on because it just becomes at some point fanciful. And then you have to deal with the kind of problems and existential crises that lie at the heart of good science fiction is our new paradigm. How does it make us question who we are as human beings? And what does it mean to be human anymore? And I mean, to your point, you know, District 9, a great, great movie that at its heart was talking about what it means to be human or to be accepted or how we treat others. Obviously, it's a very well-known analogy for apartheid South Africa. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, all those issues are reminiscent of something humanity struggles with. Constantly, which is recognizing that we're all human beings and yeah. trying and not finding artificial divides between us. And good sci fi says, What are these present day problems? and just throws them into a unique setting. And what it does really well is it anchors it, right? It doesn't look to mm-hmm. do like the Star Trek thing, which is, you know, how do we deal with these social problems? but with these crazy aliens and like nothing has to make sense because it is just a metaphor. It is just mythology. Essentially it's a new fable. This was, you know, it's, it's super grounded because the problem is presented in a working man's life and the powers that oversee him or is a corporation. So stealing the questions of like the power corporations have, how they go unchecked, how we treat human life in, in pursuit of earnings and profit because at, at at the end of the day, you have to come away from this and be like, well, that's cruelty. What they were doing to these clones is cruelty.
1: (laughs) They, they give them a fake
0: life and then make them experience death ad infinitum for as long as they can get away from it or get Mm -hmm. away, get away with it. And, um, you know, an interesting touchstone to it is that Duncan Jones has another great movie that I really love that came out on Netflix called Mute.
1: Oh, okay. I was going to want, I was wondering if this was going to come up. Yeah. And the, it,
0: uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's, a, it's a great thing that's happening in the background on a lot of TVs is you see the Sams are like mm-hmm. testifying in front of Congress. And it's, you know, it, it, the, it, it you, you get to learn through Mute that the Sams succeeded in their mission, which Mm -hmm. was blowing this whole thing apart and getting the truth out there.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I love that the way this ends with that, you know, because apparently there was originally a different ending where you see Sam meeting the president and stuff like that. But I do think it works a little better just kind of without that little ending. It's just him kind of hopefully going up. You see the first Sam like looking up like he couldn't make it, but he was able to, help the next Sam get there. And it's like you said, the whole thing about, you know, understanding where we are human. You have that like, kind of like Fox news voice in the background being like, it's either he's a crackpot or he's an illegal immigrant, you know, which I Uh I think was like a a pretty, you know, nice touch and really validates everything you were saying. But I think with, with all of that, that just shows how well paced this movie is. It just kind of the way it doles out information. Nothing ever feels like rushed. So many, a lot of sci-fi films that are of a bigger budget feel like they need to be rushed and giving you all the info and stuff like that. And this one, it's almost like a mystery at the beginning, kind of something I was hinting at earlier where, and the, and the way that they use specific film language, the way we have trained ourselves to understand story from a hundred plus years of watching movies. We're like, okay, like we saw the Rover crash and then we see Sam getting woken up by Gertie. And we're like, doesn't really make sense like who else who would have got him but okay whatever somehow he got him and then we kind of like forget about that and then he goes like there's like 10 minutes where he's like trying to get out and he eventually goes out and then you're like wait that's the rover what's happening right now and then you and he's like he's looking at oh my god is that and then that's when the premise of the movie really gets kicking into motion and you're like oh my gosh there he is he's looking at himself and so, who's a clone? Are we a clone? Because There's never, like, one moment when someone's like, ah, I've realized it all. You know, at first, they both are kind of denying their clones, but they slowly start to accept it. Mm-hmm. And I think that having the interplay between the two Sams does something really cool, where it kind of brings up a lot of the nature of identity. You know, you, you touch yeah. on, like, what does it mean to be human? And I think that, that beyond that, too, because that's all certainly there but it kind of brings up what does it mean to be you to be you as distinct from anyone else if you've lived a very similar life or an identical life with someone else how do you distinguish yourself or if this is, he's the same person just three years later and i love they bring up all the stuff of like he's clearly sam too is a very angry person and i love that you get the bits of like he's the re- the reason he kind of took this initial mission is because he his wife kind of probably encouraged him because he maybe needed to get some alone time, maybe needed to go and chill out on the moon with his thoughts because he's, he has these anger problems, all these issues. And then this other Sam has been working on his like model town for three years. He's been hanging out with the robot for three years. He's been just kind of, you know, and it's, it's kind of, it's a little bit differently after we've all been through COVID and, you know, done however long lockdown and all that stuff. Like it's it you know gives you that new perspective, and it's interesting to see, oh, this is the same guy at two different points in his life interacting with himself, and is he the same person? Is he a different person now mm-hmm. than he was three years ago? Can you like atone and get back to the life that you had? Because you've made mistakes. i I really love how it touches on all those, and it kind of asks all these big questions. But since it is such an isolated story, it's just the two of them. You don't get to see them like what happened with real Sam. I know you get like a hint of it in mute, but that's just to kind of like tie off the bow. It, you don't really it's, it's not saying like, well, yes, this is it's giving you a lot of things to think about, a lot of things to chew on, which is what really good sci fi does, I think.
0: Yeah, uh, the, the closest it comes to giving you an idea about who Sam was who the original Sam is, is that he, you know, he's been pining for his wife, hmm. right? He, he has this memory of his wife and he's watching these calls on loop from his wife. And when he's finally is able to make connection with earth, he calls his home mm-hmm. and um, he hides his identity. Cause he knows he's a clone at this point, mm-hmm. but he's trying to figure out what is real. And he calls home. Astra's wife, she's been dead. She's been dead for a while now. And the person telling him this is his daughter, who is now (laughs) fifteen. Yeah. Right? And I think she's like two or three. Like she's very young and like the photos and stuff they have. And in the background, she off camera, she talks to her dad, who you hear is voiced by Sam Rockwell, Mm -hmm. presumably the original Sam. So he's out, he's there, he's living his life, and has just, I don't know, pawned yeah. off his DNA. Yeah. Does he get residuals? So You don't know what, what right. the deal is. But he gave up, you know, probably pretty cheaply, which is also a great note on the way we interact with, with um, commercialization of so many things about our life. You give up so much cheaply to these companies, and look what they're doing with it. Mm-hmm.
1: or he uh, might not have even have known, you know, like, like the way yeah. I took it was like, he did the three years there. They got his DNA and they just clone a bunch. You know, it's like the whole thing. What, what SAG is talking about now, it's like, Oh, you can work for a day for these studios. And they were like, guess what? We've got your, your likeness to just use wherever. Now we can just clone your likeness essentially. And just use that in perpetuity and not have to pay you. And that's like, seems like mm-hmm. what's happened.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's a nice question that's kind of left open and there is a there's a exchange between sam one and gertie Mm -hmm. as sam is kind of putting together his plan to get off the base because he knows he's dying he wants to get out of here as quickly as possible and sam one asks gertie essentially his only friend that he's aware of if Gertie would be okay. And Gertie says, of course, the new Sam and I will be back to our programming as soon as I finish rebooting. And original Sam says, Gertie, we're not programmed. We're people. Do you understand? But to Gertie, he's been seeing this program running on a loop for, for mm-hmm. like 15 years or something. It's just Sam is just an expression of a program and a function of this base. He's not mm-hmm. any more real than Gertie is. And it, it, it's such a nice encapsulation of what Sam the clones are dealing with. They are people. They can't be treated as disposable pieces of a company's project. And, you know, and, you know this whole movie hinges on Sam Rockwell's performance. As far as an actor goes, a perfect person to for the underrated podcast, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, this is a guy who I think a lot of people would recognize him, Probably a lot of people know his name, but he's not somebody you think of when you think about a movie star
1: right he's He's usually like a really great supporting character actor. He's not typically but, a lead like this
0: but but, um. And, you know, he, he's done some stuff where he's, he's the lead and he's always mm-hmm. great because what he has and what he brings to this role, especially, is a relatability in very fucked up situations. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he is very grounded as a person, no matter what the role is, where everything feels real. And he always has, like, he's always able to play off a sense of humor in his roles. Mm-hmm that is believable. He's not like a slapstick guy. It's just, this is funny because it's supposed to be funny or it's funny because it's kind of sad or it's funny. It's funny because it's Mm -hmm. weird or it's funny because he's a prick. Like he can (laughs) do all these things. And I mean, the movie needs that because Mm -hmm. it is essentially one guy on screen for the vast majority of the movie. You hear a lot of other voices no, not even a lot of other voices, and most other faces you see are through cameras in mm-hmm. the world. He is really the only full body that's present throughout the totality of the movie, and he has to play off himself. <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah. It, it's you have to be able to look. Well, obviously, he's not actually looking at himself because that'd be a whole other conversation. <laughs> to be having about, hey, did you know the movie? moon that was about clones has actual clones. In it. <laughs> uh, that would be a real, real trippy. But you, but you need that because at times he has to both be expressing the same kind of workman's like, well, we got a job to do kind of thing. Balanced off of a guy who's like, don't you understand? It's all fucked. We're dying. Yeah. We're, we're being used. Well, I got to get out of here. Like somebody if he was just losing his mind by himself it would be a different movie than somebody mm-hmm. else is there to both kind of like push back on him and then like to console him and yeah. to empathize with him. Mm-hmm. And, and in that empathy realize that his own plight isn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> you know? No, I,
1: it, yeah. No, I do not mean to cut you off. Were you going to say anything else about
0: that? I should say it's just, it, it is a phenomenally underrated performance on top yeah. of the underrated movie. I don't know, I don't know who else pulls this off. It is genuinely a movie that it's hard to imagine someone else doing it.
1: Yeah, I, I'm i really glad you brought up the performance, because I had that, that was like one of my first notes, is that this is a powerhouse performance. Like, this is, honestly, I think you said it, like, one of the all-time great underrated performances, because, like, people who've seen it are like, oh yeah, he was really good in that, but like, this is, like, incredible. Not only is he doing, like, one incredible role that, like, makes you relate to this person he's doing two but they are the same performance but subtly different like it's like the same guy but one is three years down the line so it's the same guy with the same anger issues and one of them is mostly resolved from them but they're still like little bits that like you can see there's moments where he has like an outburst, like and it's so subtle these two different performances like one is more Zend out but and the fact that you're able to like they, they make it clear who's who but like you would be able to tell just by his physicality, just by the intonation of his voice, Mm -hmm. which, quote-unquote, Sam, he's supposed to be at any given moment. So he's doing all that. He's doing like a Tom Hanks in Castaway-level performance of just him being like this guy who's been alone for all these years and is kind of losing it and having to kind of just talk to himself. But he's having to play against himself. He's having to do a line, say a line, and then reverse say the opposite line or like probably do a whole, he'll do all the lines that Sam one has to do then cut, you know, then go like on his other mark. Remember, okay, how did I say this? How, how would I respond to this? And he's completely on every single time. And you mentioned, it's hard to picture anyone else in this role. This role was pretty much specifically written with Sam Rockwell in mind, since it was such a small shoot like it's a, it was made for about five million bucks it was made on the cheap he was in other stuff it wasn't until like the last minute that they were sure it was going to be him and they basically as a backup plan had uh patty constantine as like a backup who don't get me wrong oh, i
0: didn't know that
1: yeah great great actor but and i'm sure it would have been good still but like it's it's you could it would not have been this it would not have been this all-time absolute incredible role and just like you say so 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 underrated nobody talks about this it didn't get any oscar recognition or anything because i think this kind of falls into one of those categories of movies that it's kind of it came out at sundance and people were like wow this is like really good and then it gets like a limited release a very limited release like a new york la release you know one of those movies and then maybe a couple more theaters in some very, very limited markets. And that's it. So that's why the point where, you know, the, uh, the silver lining of that is I hadn't seen a trailer or any, I'd only seen the poster for this. And I don't remember why, but I'd, I think I'd heard good word of mouth. People like, oh, moon is good. And just one day, it was probably in like maybe 2010 or 2011, somewhere around there. I just click, 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 turned on the Netflix and I was blown away and over the years i think it's it's built a reputation where it's one of these movies where people who have seen it really like it and people who like film a lot know about it but not a lot of people do which is why i had that preface at the beginning of the episode like no go stop and watch this this is a movie i've had in my docket to cover since the very very beginning of doing underrated um so i'm, I'm oh, glad yeah. you were like hey i i even had I had this whole. I had an idea where it's like, well, if nobody ever wants to talk about it, and I'm just, you know, I might do. I was. It was a dumb idea. Wouldn't I? Don't think it would have been very funny. But I was like, I'll do the episode playing against myself. Like I'll that's just record pretty myself. Pretty good, actually. That's... I think that's like a, that's like a good idea. But in practice, I don't know how well it would have just... gone.
0: Just transcribe everything I say, and then just play it, and then just record it with yourself. There you go. I don't mind uh, not getting any credit.
1: <laughs> Derek McDuff with his co-host Derek McDuff. Um, but yeah, uh, so you know, since I, I when I sent you the list of potential movies to cover, you went right. Uh, you, well, I guess we went a little bit back and forth, but um, you wanted to cover this one. Well, because so- first
0: I picked a movie that wasn't on the list, <laughs> and then. <laughs> even so, though I had yeah. looked at the list like three times but then when you asked me I was like here's a movie that's not on the list let's do this one <laughs>
1: I was like well but what made you want to pick this one what what drew you to it it's just it, it you know what we talked about in the
0: beginning it's the kind of sci-fi that you don't get to see anymore like mm-hmm. you know we we might say it has indie movie sensibilities
1: mm-hmm.
0: right It it's very intimate it is focused on what are my favorite aspects about science fiction is the way people who live in that world have to exist. Mm -hmm. You know, there's big science fiction that deals with big ideas, but the people involved with it are just dealing with the the big ideas. They're not Mm -hmm. trying to figure out a way to live their lives. And even though it sort of isn't that because he is trying to figure out he's most of the movie is still about dealing with the reality of the situation. You know, he goes through Sam one. Even after the second Sam is awakened, he goes through you know a denial period and refuses to even see himself as a clone. He says, "Well, no, clearly that means I'm the original." He has no memories of anybody else before him. Now there's a clone here, so he he must still be the Mm -hmm. original. He must still be going home. And you're dealing with very personal things. He's not trying to solve any world problems. There's not some giant beam that that's destroying a city. Right. Like that's in so many sci-fi movies. There's always some beam that <laughs> has to
1: be stopped. I fucking hate the sky beam trope so much. I'm a, it's, too I, much. It's, it's too much. It's too much. It's like we, we should have put that to bed in like 2009. That's exactly when this movie came out. That's yes. exactly
0: why I want to talk about it because the movies that made me fall in love with science fiction, as movies, because I I grew up reading sci-fi and so I already love sci-fi, but this was the stuff that felt more personal. Mm-hmm. Like i sure I love, I love the space Marines and I love colonial Marines landing on a colony and like, oh, it's a bug hunt and then they get torn to pieces and it's mm-hmm. more action oriented. But I also love the first alien because it is just a crew of people being like, what the hell is happening here how do we just survive and it and it spends a lot of time giving you a picture it fills in a great picture about what their lives are like right these are blue collar people sam rockwell's character sam is a blue collar guy yeah he does he does a job he mm-hmm. does a job he's fulfilling a contract he's just trying to get through it so he can make some money and go home
1: yeah, And, and do,
0: do right by his family. He has no idea how he is being used. And then when he's presented with the reality of it, he does all the things that we do every day in our own jobs. When we're miserable or unhappy, we say, well, you know, this is what I got or, well, it's, it doesn't, it's not really my problem. See, I'm, I'm going to be okay. It's other people's problem. But the reality is it's everyone's problem. Because yeah. they'll treat you like that. They'll treat the next person like that. And if you're unlucky, Sam, as a stand-in for all of humanity, they'll treat all of us like that forever, for as long as they can get away with it. And when yeah. I say they, you know, <laughs> again, I'm talking about capitalism. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's definitely a lot of different critiques that you can you can label this movie with. But you can also ignore all that because, again, there's such a stellar performance about a person confronting an existential crisis that is so personal that you can't help but be sucked in.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. And like you say, it's such a it's a very small story. It's a very small world. And I really do. I'm also of the camp where I love just simple concept small budget sci-fi films. Mm -hmm. And so I was reading an interview with Duncan Jones last night uh, about somebody like asked him like, Oh, like what would you have done differently if you had, if moon wasn't your film first film, like if you had a bigger budget, like if you're able to do this other stuff. And he's like, he was like moon kind of was always going to have a small budget. He's like, that's the kind of story that this is. That's this very intimate tight knit story. And he brought up a lot of the, sci-fi films from the 70s and 80s that he loved that are just kind of very claustrophobic. It's a very performance driven and he's like there's still he's like I if I'm doing a different kind of movies like then he talked about Warcraft which I think is a flawed but very interesting film. You know that he did and that movie yes. obviously had a humongous budget and he's like for Warcraft he's like I you know that's a huge fast fantasy world And I had to, like, with all these different races and peoples and cultures and people from other dimensions and all this stuff, that's a very different, like, and for that, it makes sense that you're spending hundreds of millions of dollars. It makes sense that you're spending $5 million on Moon. And I think that's something that maybe gets lost today is you understand the type of story that you're telling and understand, like, what resources you have to allocate to that kind of story, you know?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, he clearly has a great handle on mm-hmm. those smaller scale things because uh, Mute is fantastic.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I love I love Mute. I've, I've watched it a few times. It's really good. It's a great noir film that plays with a lot of things. Great cast, but it has a very tight, intimate lens on this world. Which I think is more enriching than when you try to be like, whoa, look at the scale of this. And, you know, I, I also found um, Warcraft to be flawed and but really enjoyable. And I think it probably isn't something that was meant to be brought to the screen in that way. But I appreciated that he had, like, true love and ambition for what he was going to try to do with it. Because he brings that same energy to these smaller things. Uh, source code have you seen mm-hmm. source code I, I have yeah so he, he directed that as well yeah and that's another tight sci-fi mm-hmm. thriller which I really liked it's you know maybe it also is underrated but it's it's a very solid sci-fi concept that we've seen in uh, other things in different ways but it's brought into a very it's done really well and it's very mm-hmm. enjoyable but this kind of scale where you get to focus and you get to live in the reality with them is so much better for sci fi. Because how many times you go away from a big sci fi thing, you're like, I wish we spent more time on that planet. Right, or oh, we yeah. spent more time with those people. Or like, they, they, uh, was it the second star Trek where they're on that really colorful, like red world and starts to blow the people. Mm-hmm. It's like that, that opening scene is like, this is amazing. It's all bright and colorful and like, it's interesting. And, and like how, how much time we're going to spend here. And then we end up doing like, it just gets darker and darker and, and yeah. more. And, and you, you lose a lot of what you should be able to get with sci-fi, especially sci-fi that, at scale is dealing with really interesting things is do the interesting thing. Mm -hmm. Don't resort to the cliche stuff, do the more interesting thing. Sci-fi is such a great framing convention to tell different stories. Yeah, Um,
1: absolutely. As we're
0: talking, like one of the things I'm just going to keep throwing out movies that I love that (laughs) that fit into this kind of framework. There's a, a 2014 movie called Comet, uh, directed by Sam, I don't know if his last name is pronounced this way, so I apologize, he also wrote it, uh, Sam es- Eshmael. Um, it has Emmy Rossum and Justin Long in it, and it's and it's really a uh, uh, romance, right? It's really a romantic mm-hmm. story, but the way it's framed presented, you could easily see it as a sci-fi movie. And I've I must have watched this movie, like, a dozen times, like... It is, it's just it's so beautiful the way it's shot and edited and plays with parallel universes and and the way it presents things out of order chronologically. And like it just does a lot of stuff because it dips into parallel universes and things like that you could say it's a sci fi movie pretty easily, but it's about the romantic relationship between the two leads. And it's, it's just like, you can do that kind of stuff. Solaris that I mentioned earlier.
1: So which, which Solaris are you talking about? By the way, the, well, the, the I didn't Oprah. see
0: the original. Okay. Yeah. Cause I've only seen the Soderbergh later. one. Same okay. here, but okay. that, that's the one I, I love. Okay.
1: Which, yeah. That's like, a great that's film. The, I, I fell Soderbergh in love with film. that, that yeah. movie.
0: Um, hmm. And it's just like, at that, it's a very quiet movie. Like, it has some big concepts, and it goes to some very dark places. But at the heart of it, you can't help but get sucked in by the grief and the love that George Clooney's character feels for this woman he's lost. And it's, again, another fantastic science fiction movie that is really about people dealing with the existential crises we all live with on a daily basis basis presented through the lens of something earth shattering mind blowing you know reality bending
1: mm.
0: and it just is it, it can do so much and moon does that too mm-hmm. and so all that long-winded bs i just <laughs> it's said that made me try to make myself sound smart about movies it's just to say that moon succeeds because it's about sam bell and a reality that he didn't know he lived in, and what that means for him as a person.
1: Well, well, yeah, I think I think that you do know a lot about movies. That was very well said, I gotta say. Uh, so thank you. Um, and yeah, I, I completely agree. I love the kind of things that are just like, they're barely sci-fi. Like they're in a sci-fi world, and they're in that sci-fi world as a way to be like, okay, to ha- handle this concept of like, we're going to have somebody... Talk to themselves like a future version of themselves. And we're, because we're in this sci fi world and it's set on the moon, and all we're able to do these things to play with these big, heady concepts in a way that the genre allows for us to do. And I think that's one of the reasons I love genre fiction so much is because it lets you play around with those things, particularly when it's like it's on such a small scale like this, where that's all that really matters. Is like yeah, we've got the thing on the moon. You're not having to worry about like, like. Ad Astro is a movie that I think has some interesting ideas, but it gets yeah. way too into like, for me like the headiness of like oh there's there's a little like the world building's cool, but it's like, well then we have to go to Jupiter and then we have to go to this and then to this and it's just like if it was a little more simplified, a little more tight, I would like that movie a little more. I think, um, no, but that's yeah. A-
0: That'll be one to talk about on a, a different episode of okay. something.
1: <laughs> it's 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 a, it's, a, it's a movie I respect a lot more than I like. I'll put it that way. Oh,
0: interesting. Um, okay.
1: But yeah, like movies, like even like ones we've covered on the show before, like Snowpiercer. You know, I think that's a movie that's like sci-fi setting, but it's just so that you can address all these issues about capitalism and corporate greed and like levels of society and put it in a, like a literalized way in a post-apocalyptic world where there's a yeah. train that's the kind of or like it's not sci-fi but a movie that i just saw but i really really like which is talk to me which it a- is able to that's something a lot of horror movies are able to do really well is dealing with grief in a way that literalizes it where it's like yeah, oh, no spoilers
0: because it's okay. high on my, my list to watch okay. soon. so
1: check it out let me know what you think but yeah it's and gorgeous. the
0: wife wants to watch it so if okay. i get spoiled and i spoil it for her and then next thing <laughs> oh, you no. know we're never speaking to you again i don't want you guys <laughs> coming
1: after me I can handle you. I can't. Your wife, she's she's tough, um, but uh, yeah. no, I, in a good way. In a good way, I respect in a way that I respect her. Unlike oh I yeah, young. that's. I yeah. didn't
0: care what you said about her. I was more concerned with you putting me so low as a threat. <laughs> uh,
1: but no, I'm like scary. You're, oh, you're, scary. Car- you're very you're you're very terrifying. You're like Carrie Elwes in in uh, Liar Liar. It's, it's a claw. You're afraid of the claw. <laughs> okay, no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone knows that if uh, I, I compare you to Carrie Elwes, it's it's a term of endearment because he's the best. But uh,
0: also, I'm more like him from Saw.
1: Sure, sure.
0: I'm more. I'm very likely to end up chained in a base in a you know in, in a kill room somewhere.
1: And then you have a, like a surprise. Uh, you come back as a surprise in like the fifth or sixth century Oh, okay i guess so. i haven't Spoiler. gotten that far so <laughs> yeah. well, it's okay i've gotten not far at all i just know that <laughs> anyway, but the, the thing too that i was going to say is about how this movie uses that sci-fi concept in a way of like yeah he's talking to himself he sees his future self and then something you brought up earlier he hears like the quote unquote the real sam bell on earth the one who has got to actually go back and live his life and has been able to be Sam Bell for fifteen years. He had a he was able to go back to his wife, who passed, and now he's with his daughter. And that for me really hit on like the kind of imposter syndrome thing of like, oh, yeah, you're up here, you're doing all this stuff, and then there's like the real version of you down on earth, the one that's like living your life and experiencing things. and you don't feel like you're the real you. there's another real you and that might not be in the text or anything that might just be me too too, too much in anything but that's something that i was really driving with on this rewatch was the whole imposter syndrome angle
0: yeah i, I it's so rich right mm-hmm. because again when you ground something because it means we can all relate to it it can resonate with everybody in so many different ways it means it's it's ripe for different perspectives and takeaways, and that's a hundred percent like a real thing that you can take from this film is is dealing with do you belong here are you are is this really about you is this really for you what life <laughs> what life is for you like it just it, I mean I start to spiral when I think about that stuff, so <laughs> but it, it yeah it's you you have to watch this movie to really appreciate what intimate well-framed directing and a beautiful acting performance can do for any movie regardless of the subject matter or the genre or or anything like that because it it is a masterclass in mm-hmm. in both directing, writing, acting, score, cinematography cuz it all speaks to the truth of the film and that mm-hmm. truth is whatever you can take from it the yeah. film the film gives it to you whatever you're looking for to take from it the f- the film is like yeah this is here take it you want that imposter syndrome we got that capitalism you want that sure here a man dealing with his identity or his imminent demise and our, our, our mortality here. We got that in spades. You want it? Watch this, watch this. It's just, <laughs> it's why I I rewatch it. It's, mm-hmm. I don't rewatch a lot of movies, but moon moon is one of them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's one that I, I, I love. It's one of my favorite movies and I hadn't rewatched it in years, Um, especially definitely not since COVID. So, you know, like I said, that it hit me differently this time yeah. for that reason. But great cinema like that, can they won't be hyper-specific. Like, they won't try to hit only this thing. Or even if they do, people who aren't exactly the bullseye can still take other things from it. Like, the one I like to bring up is Turning Red, which is a movie that is about a 12-year-old Canadian Asian growing up and turning into a giant red panda. That's not something that I can relate to, but I have had... I was alive. I was also a middle schooler in 2002 with a very overprotective mom. So, like, I was like, okay, I'm still getting some of the vibes of this movie, and some things that may appear at first, you know, very singular are actually universal and are not like excluding anyone. It's just like, oh, wow, you can take this imposter syndrome from this thing, you can take, you know, whatever Sam is going through. In your, you might like whatever you're going through in your own life. You can look at Sam's experience in this movie this isolation, this identity crisis, this growing as a person, having to literally talk to and reflect upon his past self in real time. You can, there's so many different things you can draw upon from whatever you're going on in your own life and, and bring it to this film.
0: Yes, yes. Preach, give it to me. Mm, <laughs> yum, yum. I want it.
1: Yeah, it's. it's um you know
0: it's it's really easy to project stuff mm-hmm. onto a film or any kind of work of fiction or art but really good art gives it to you you don't have to project anything it's right it's right there like you said like you know i haven't i haven't seen turning red but who i know have seen it uh, have all been and i've talked to about it have all been women and you know they relate to it in a lot of ways for for I guess what are clear reasons, having not seen it, but, you know, being a young girl, coming of age, dealing with the different aspects about maturing as a, as a woman in society and in your social groups and in your family and the heritages of, of women in different cultures.
1: Another day is here
0: and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. But you found something like I would not have imagined that was going to be the movie you, you chose to make your <laughs> point. Right. Because th- I haven't seen it. So the only view I've had was from these other people telling me what they pulled from it. But also what I have heard about the movie, I can clear like what you said. I can clearly hear coming from the movie and that's from a secondhand description. And then hearing you describe it, it's like that's what good film does. It starts a dialogue and is open to discussing whatever
1: you want to discuss. Exactly. And that's why we record podcasts on movies, folks, so that we can have dialogues and great discussions on these films.
0: I mean, it's great to have the conversations in the shower by yourself. Isn't (laughs) Isn't it better when it's two friends in the shower recording a podcast together?
1: Exactly. You know, I'm surprised that we're not getting more echo in here and that, that we're not getting the water coming in on the recording. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of that in post, I guess.
0: Yeah, I, I think it helps that we're, we're both wearing like foam. We're wearing a lot of f- foam floaties. Yeah. And, I've, got, uh, I've
1: got that big yellow jumpsuit that like he calls the radioactive tampon on right now.
0: Yeah, I wish you told me we we're allowed to wear clothes.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm sorry it slipped my mind, you know. Uh, I just thought this was stylish.
0: Oh, yeah, no, you look great. Thank you. You look great, wet. Yeah, that's
1: what I hear. That's what I hear.
0: <laughs> I, I'd love for you to share that same compliment to me on audio, please. David, you look great, wet. And clip, save.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now it's out there for everyone to hear.
0: And this, the rest of this podcast won't go out at all. Yeah, it's just and... just that clip. When I sue you.
1: <laughs> but on that note, is there any anything else? you want to bring up while we're still here in the shower together on this movie?
0: Um, well, I mean, there's things I want to bring up in the shower, but, (laughs) but about the movie, no, just, just, it's one of the few movies like, I know I've done other episodes, but this is, this is a movie I would genuinely advocate for being worth anybody's time. And it's, it's going to be a sad, uh, not, oh, okay, I guess it is a little bit sad. It's going to be a sad recommendation, but also uh, maybe an appropriate one. It's a great movie to watch by yourself.
1: Yeah, I don't think I've watched this with anybody else. I think every time I've watched it, I've watched it alone, and it's a good, lonely watch, to be honest.
0: It's great to watch it with someone else because you're going to have that conversation But it's Mm -hmm. interesting to watch it alone and have that kind of, like, parallel experience to Sam's loneliness. Right, right. (laughs) And, like, you know, you you really start to feel like a voyeur. It gives you Mm -hmm. that feeling of the voyeurism of really being there. You know, maybe that's why he spoke to me in terms of, like, being grounded. Because I was just, like, you're drawn in. Mm -hmm. Because it is so intimate. And you have that kind of fascination that comes with seeing something and maybe you're not supposed to be seeing. Not in, like, a pervy way. I know that's my brand on here,
1: but... Like, you talk about the scene where Sam Bell's in the shower and you see his butt, right? I was trying to avoid it. (laughs) (laughs) There's my
0: subtle nod was us being in the shower, but, yeah, you've sold me out. (laughs) No. But, no, 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 go watch it, please. Go watch it. Underrated. Yeah,
1: definitely. And I just have, like... One more thing I wanted to ask you is: Have you heard of? Because you you mentioned Moon, we or we actually talked about Moon. You mentioned Mute. Um, have you heard of? There's like a third. There's like a tr- end of the trilogy. Have you heard of this?
0: Yeah, the graphic novel.
1: The graphic novel, yeah. Which I saw him, Duncan Jones. I saw him speak for a little bit at Comic Con. Uh, it's called Maddie or Maddie Once Upon a Time in the Future, which he originally like had envisioned as a movie, but. I guess he hasn't been able to get to the the funding for it. So he just did his graphic novel with hope so that that will secure the rights to it. Cause apparently it's a much bigger project than moon or mutes. Um, so I would really love to see the, 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 cause it's not really a trilogy cause they're separate stories, but they're all kind of in the same world. The way he describes it was, it's kind of like the three colors trilogy. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to see that. Do you know, uh, do you have you any familiarity with that?
0: I, I haven't no I haven't read it. Yeah. I, I, it would be great. I would love to see. It's it's the kind he has built very quietly, a a very rich world that you can set all kinds of stories in and mm-hmm. never have them interconnected other than maybe something in the background to let you know it's the same, same yeah. world. Because because mute mute mm-hmm. is so tonally different in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, but it, it's also like a, a great intimate story.
1: Yeah, so t- totally. And I, you know, you know, 'cause you've played you've been in my D and D campaigns, you know that I love just like, oh, subtly this is actually connected to this thing and there's only one little hint that's gonna connect it. You know, I, I that's yeah. kind of my jam, you know, and that's why I I actually kind of uh you know, that's my favorite thing about the Marvel movies, especially like I went back recently, we watched a lot of phase one stuff and there's a lot of like great little like hints before anybody actually starts crossing over that's like, Oh, this is all connected and I love that stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, th- thank you, thank you for coming on. Is there anything you want to pitch or mention at all?
0: I I feel like the way you said that means I should have something, but no, um, you
1: know, it's, it's it's I I work I usually... in H-
0: I work in HR. I don't know if I have anything worthwhile to pitch to someone.
1: Which <laughs> is you know I I bring I bring it up. It's not it's on the next episode. I already recorded it, but it's it's nice that I've recorded a couple episodes with people who are incredibly knowledgeable about movies who aren't regular podcast people. And it's just like, cool. You guys don't have a podcast or anything. You're just on here to talk to me. I love it.
0: Well, also I, you know, I definitely couldn't promote anything. I guess technically I shouldn't be promoting moon because you want to be, you want to be in solidarity with the striking writers and actors and all the work they do. Um, and beyond
1: them, you know, labor succeeds through solidarity. Exactly. Which is, well, I feel like that, you know, then I mean, there's been a lot of talk about like, oh, is movie reviews or, or is movie criticism promotion? And I'm definitely on the side of that it's not. But it's definitely nice to also be like able to kind of sidestep that and be like, these are all everything we talk about underrated is older projects. So I'm not out here pushing anything, you know, uh, any new movies or anything like that, which is which is nice because uh, obviously as a person who has been both an actor and a writer in um, a much less successful sense than, any, than anyone in these unions. I obviously support them wholeheartedly and try to bring that up whenever I can on the show.
0: Yeah. Live better, work union.
1: Absolutely. So hopefully, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the corporate fat cats, the people who um, are Wanting to turn all the actors and writers into Sam Bells to just get replaced every three three years and by AI or whatever. Hopefully they lose soon. <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah, get their asses. <laughs> but uh, with that, I guess I'll just end by saying uh, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, you know, I know that there have been some changes to the podcast recently, so thank you all for sticking by. Wait, wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. Yes, 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 yes. Speaking of changes, to mm-hmm. changes. That's his dad. I- Sorry. yes this is dad david bowie <laughs>
0: i was i thought it was worth mentioning but i thought eh, he could stand on his own merits now right he's an accomplished right, yeah. Uh, yeah. writer and director um i have a new a tagline pitch for okay. you
1: let me hear it let me hear it
0: you've been underrated
1: all right i'll try i'll try let's see i'm gonna put it at the end of it we'll do it as a trial run at the end of this i'm gonna do my whole spiel and then i'll, I'll throw it in there we'll see how okay. it goes all, all right. right give it to me All right. <laughs> So, you know, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, If you want to find out anything more, go to underratedmoviepodcast.com. That's got links to all of our socials. It's got our link to our new Patreon. We just started a new Patreon where we're going to be releasing uh, a episode every month of my new exclusive patron podcast called Underdogs, which is going to be about sports movies. Uh, The first episode is going to be out on October 15th. Uh, That's going to be on whichever wins the initial poll which is going to be on a baseball movie Uh, I'm going to be having Craig from podcast a person who knows who has forgotten more about baseball than I will ever know on to talk about one of those baseball movies with me so I'm very excited for that so if you want to hear about that you can sign up at our patron uh patreon for at least three dollars there's even a one dollar option if you want to just sign up just be a patron that's always appreciated but honestly your listens are are thanks enough for me by far So thank you everyone And you've been underrated